Welcome to this podcast. This program is being brought to you by the Gettysburg chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution. We are located in the Gettysburg area, and we are a service organization that is very interested in history and education, patriotism, and helping uh, young people and adults to understand the history of our nation. I have with me today Nina, who is, um, she with her husband, are the owners of Shanks Mill in Fairfield. Very interesting historic mill. Welcome, Nina. Good morning. Nice to have you here. Nina is a member of our chapter, and so it's especially fun to have her talk to us today. She's going to tell us a little bit about this uh, mill that was uh, developed or put in place in the 1800s. And uh, you and your husband have kept preserving this mill, and your family was greatly involved. Tell me a little bit about the history of the mill and uh, your family's role in that history. It came into our family after about 15 owners, but because Mr. Jingle was killed in the mill, they were selling it. And so my family had been had mills in Virginia, several different ones, my great-grandfather and then my grandfather. And my grandfather came up here to buy this mill after Mr. Jingle died, and they moved in here in 1923, or that's when he bought it. It has been in operation until 1975, I guess, or 80, when uh, the race was washed out by Hurricane Agnes. But they made animal feeds as well as flour and cornmeal for human consumption also. For those of us who, who don't have any knowledge of a mill in the 18th century, tell us a little bit about the features of the mill and some of the processes that happened. And and I, I noticed when you took me up a tour there were multi-levels, etc. Share a little bit with that. I find that interesting. Originally, there were three birthstones, two for flour and one for cornmeal. But then in 1800, the roller mill came into existence and they used gravity and height for running the mill and sifting the flour. So this one was built in 1800 that had four stories. The, the wheat would be dumped in by the farmer at the basement, and then it would go up by elevator and come down through to be cleaned and weighed, and then go down to the cellar, back up to the attic, and come down through a roller. These rollers were like a woman's a washing machine roller and and it would the first one would crack the skin off the outside it's not skin but whatever <laughs> the shell of the brand right the shell mm -hmm. and take off the brand then we go to the cellar and go up through the attic and come down through a set of screens and that would decide how fine it was or where it was and so it would go then to the next one the next roller and then down to the cellar, up to the attic, and back down, and which screen it did or didn't go through determined which roller it went through. There were six rollers, each one got a little bit tighter, and the final one was the made the finest flour. And the screens, of course, that it came through, sifted out the finest. Well, it, it it's interesting to me because in this period of time when the mill was established, uh, we didn't have electricity and electronics like we do today, just flip a switch. So what powered the mill, and uh, how was that done besides, I guess, manpower, intensive labor? Well, they had a water wheel, which powered everything. The bottom shaft 
was uh, converted from horizontal to vertical power, and it went all the way to the attic, which ran all the belts and all the wheels, and the water power, it was created by an overshot wheel. The water would come in on top of it, and the, the weight of the water would push the wheel down, and it would get it running. And the water power was used up until 1972, and then they hooked a tractor to it. I know when people settled the area and, and pushed west in this country, one of the things that folks looked for, obviously, was trees and wood and timber for building and also water. So did water have anything to do with why the mill was established here? Oh, sure. The water was very important, and there were numerous mills on Tom's Creek, which is where this one is. It came by race, a race that was created by the men and brought it into the mill, and it came over a overshot wheel, which was inside the mill. That's really interesting. I noticed there were silos, and I know they weren't part of the original mill. Um, so it begs the question to me, where did the grain and corn come from over a period of the years, and how was that provided, and how did they get it to, how, did, how was it gotten to the customer? Well, the local farmers would bring their wheat in in bags sometimes, sometimes just a big wagon full of wheat, and they would dump it into the bins. We had bins there. It would go into the cellar and then up to the attic and come down through the through the weighing machines and, uh, <laughs> and go down and up again. But they were paid by the bushel. It would be weighed and they'd be paid by the bushel. The silos were built in 1954, and that was because of the futures. Dad wanted to get into the futures of grain, and so he would buy it in the summer when it was plentiful and less expensive, but then it had to be kept at a 14% moisture or it would spoil. So they would have to run it from one silo to another to aerate it to keep the moisture down, and they would have fans to keep it down. And then hopefully sell it in the winter when it was more expensive. I find that really fascinating because we go from the 1800s with very labor-intensive process and understanding the local economy and whether there was a, a bad harvest year or a good harvest year, up to the time when your father took over, when it, the stock market performance was actually uh, a factor in all of this. Uh, he must have had to learn a lot or know a lot about the business. Well, he did. He had lived it all his life, and, uh, and he did get into the stock market. So he, he, he did pretty good on that, too, I think. <laughs> That's really interesting. Uh, what do you remember about the mill as a little girl? It was such a prominent part of your life. What are your memories? Well, I had five brothers, and they more worked in the mill, and I worked in the house, but I did get to pack flour. Uh, I packed the ladies' choice flour, which is for cakes and gravies, and it was um, very cold in the winter, I do remember that. But I also learned to do the miller's knot, which is a kind of a unique knot, uh, but I can't do it anymore. I can't <laughs> seem to remember it. Was that a way of closing up the bag so that nothing spilled? Yes, yes. You, you pleated the bag at the top, and then you ran this thing around, and it would go very fast, but... I just can't do it anymore. You haven't had much reason for doing that. <laughs> well, I, I think that's interesting um, to find out how people got their flour. Did 
all of your customers come to the mill or how was the flour product distributed? Well, my dad would go around to the stores in uh, Gettysburg, Emmitsburg, Ortana, Cashtown, and he would take orders on Monday and see what the stores needed or wanted. And then on Tuesday, he would deliver this feed to them, feed and flour and cornmeal. That's interesting. So it was really, as many of the industries at that time, it was very weather dependent in terms of the crop that was grown. Uh, so I'm sure there were ups and downs over the years. Oh, certainly. Yep. Well, what were some of the other mills? You mentioned the Tom's Creek. Were there other mills along that creek, or was Shanks Mill the only one? No, there were seven, I understand, on Tom's Creek. Uh, not all of them were flour and feed mills, but most of them were. Their one was a fuller mill, which is, I understand, has to do with making cloth. Oh, that's interesting. And that was down close to uh, St. Joseph's College in Emmitsburg. Would there have been sawmills? I don't know if that's the correct word, but... Sure, they had sawmills also, which was run by water power. And this mill may have been constructed from, that's what we understand anyway, from lumber that was local and sawed here at the mill. The craftsmanship of the mill and the different features of the mill were especially interesting to me such as the beams and the fitted joints and the creativity and the innovation, which was part of the trade of, of the people in those days who knew how to fix and jerry-rig everything. And I found that interesting. What are some of the features that are of great interest in terms of the mill? Well, there are six beams that are 40 feet long, all one piece, and they are of 12 inches by 12 inches at least in dimension and then 40 feet long and then the posts are all chamfered and the workmanship is just magnificent it's unbelievable how beautiful they've done them i was interested that some of the grinding stones were nearly as wide in terms of um, dimension as i am tall where did those stones come from and and why were they essential to the process of milling the grinding stones were originally for flour and cornmeal, but then once the roller mill came into existence, only for cornmeal. And they are huge. They're about a ton each, and it takes two of them. The bottom one is stationary, and the top one has a hole in the center, and the grain comes down through the center and is ground between the two. Very interesting. Well, I want to thank you so much, Nina, for sharing this very fascinating and historic place in our neighborhood. And I want to encourage our listeners to um, check out the DAR website and our blogs and our videos. And hopefully you'll be interested in learning more about this wonderful historic place and want to know more. Thank you for listening. Thank you.